Hey everybody, it's Morgan Weeks with Sheriff Women in Leadership here. I have with me today a chief from Myrtle Beach, Chief Amy Prock. Um, I'm going to let her give a quick background about herself and then we'll get into this interview. Well, hello, my name is Amy Prock. I am the chief of the Myrtle Beach Police Department. I have been with Myrtle Beach Police Department for just over 26 years. I started back in 1996. Yes, I said 1996. It has certainly been a while, but I absolutely love being a police officer. I have uh, had a lot of opportunities here in Myrtle Beach and very fortunate and blessed uh, by the grace of God to have a great career here in Myrtle Beach. Um, I started as a police officer and I started after um, I had a four-year uh, degree at Radford University. I did not originally want to be a police officer. I actually started um, my four-year uh, college degree um, as wanting to be a journalist and um, after um, taking a intro to criminal justice class, um, I had a mentor in that class and um, had an opportunity to do a lot of different things um, at, in college um, and fell in love with uh, the criminal justice program. And after uh, taking that class, uh, changed my major and was able to do an internship with the FBI um, and really was interested in being able to do a uh, career in law enforcement after that and the fbi told me to go get some local law enforcement and that's exactly what i did um, i applied to several different agencies myrtle beach being one of them and they were one of the first agencies who contacted me and that is the end of that story here i am in myrtle beach uh, over 26 years later um have absolutely loved what i do here in myrtle beach and um, have had a great opportunities here, been throughout uh, the Myrtle Beach Police Department, several different divisions from patrol to waterfront here in Myrtle Beach, to traffic, um, to investigations, to narcotics, to our street crimes unit, to regulatory. Um, what I love most about working in Myrtle Beach is I fell in love with our community um, and been able to do a lot of engagement opportunities and this is, uh, this is what policing is about, is being able to work not only to uh, make a difference in your community, but to work hand in hand to do that. So um, that's where I started and that's where I'm at today. Did not always want to be police chief, but uh, took uh, a leadership route after having some great mentors. And uh, that's, that's how I got where I'm at. Awesome. Well, funny note, I was born in 1996, so <laughs> we... We, we have a very special bond to that year. Um, so you mentioned being at the same department that you started out in and then became chief in. Do you think we're going to see that a lot trending or do you think it's going with the new generation that our future chiefs are probably going to have worked at multiple different agencies? I think that's a great question. I think that... Um, what I have seen over the last several years is a lot of, um, with the generations that we're seeing, is a lot of um, our new employees are looking for um, different things, um, and you're looking for what different departments have to offer. Um, for instance, in our department, we are very fortunate to have a lot of different divisions and a lot of different units where smaller agencies don't have that opportunity. An opportunity 
um, and uh, what future looks for. Um, we have generations that are ensuring that they want to have a secure retirement um, and they want to make sure that that's what they're going to have for, for their future as well. Um, and also growth. Um, they want to have those opportunities. So they want to make sure that the department that they go to has that ability. And if they don't have that ability, um, they are okay with making a different change. Um, and I think the, the other side of that is, is, is law enforcement what they want for a long-term um, goal? And that is something that we have to, as leaders, and I've talked to my, my team, I've talked to leaders throughout our state, um, and um, also in the academic field, that I think it's important for us as leaders in this field and, and uh, peer leaders as well to talk about why law enforcement is important um, and to be present in our community, to be present in our field, to make sure people understand what law enforcement is about. Because we wear so many different hats. You know, our hats include not only um, enforcing the law and keeping the peace, but it also includes making sure that we're engaged and, and people are safe and um, and we're also addressing so many different things, anything from uh, engaging with mental health to addressing the unhoused um, substance abuse disorder, which we have so many different issues that are going on and, and we wear a lot of different hats when we're responding to those types of calls for service and we're engaged in so many different programs now. So um, I say all that to say um, it is important for our, our employees to understand um, what law enforcement is about and that is why um, they're they're looking at the entire picture and it's important when you come into law enforcement that you know that. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, just listening, I'm taking some notes. I got a, a couple other questions just off of your intro and a few things you just said. Um, so I guess my next question is, with you staying there for your whole career and now being chief there, do you think that has a lot of pros or do you think there's some cons mixed in there as like, now that you're chief, some of your buddies that you may have started with are like, hey, can you help me out with this or help me out with that? Or do you think because you've worked there your whole career, you have a better bond with those that you work with since you started there. Do you think that that actually has no effect on you being chief there? Does that, does that make sense when I'm asking? I believe I understand what the question you're asking. I, I'm very fortunate. I have grown up not, as I said, I grew up at this department. Um, I've grown up in this community. Uh, while I'm not originally from here, I'm originally from Alexandria, Virginia. Um, and that's where I went to school. Um, but I am, when I say I grew up in this department, I was, uh, I, I was 22 when I started. Um, so in that, those that I, I was hired with, um, we grew up in the department together. And those that I'm, I'm on the command staff with now, um, we grew up together in this department. And in that, it gave us an opportunity to understand the different um, the needs of our community, the needs of our teammates. Um, you know, years ago, uh, we, a wellness program was, we were fortunate to have insurance, whereas now we're looking at uh, mental health uh, uh, programs for our, our team. We're ensuring that we have the uh, physical health of our, our teammates, we're making sure that we have access to our gyms. Um, so it's, it's a really different spectrum. Um, and, I, and at that point, you know, you have to, as a leader, and I'm sure you understand that, um, 
even it, as a peer leader, you have to understand when you're growing up in a department that you set aside once you choose to take this path, or even as a mentor, um, the difference between um, uh, supervising somebody and being somebody's friend, and that's that's something you accept when you when you go into a leadership position. So while while I um, I am I understand the question. Um, that's something you accept when you become a leader, and that's where you make that distinction. And and I have no problem making that distinction. And my uh, my uh, my leaders and my um, team knows that um, in this this department. So um, I think it's a pro all the way around being in one department. Um, I grew up in a military family. I learned a lot from my father and my mother. Um, and in that, uh, the importance of of focusing on our mission, the focus on uh, the importance of focusing on our team is important, and being able to be in one department and seeing it grow the way it has, um, and seeing our community grow has been incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's see. Um, so you mentioned all the different divisions that you've worked in. With with that, was there? Was there ever any of those divisions that you were a supervisor over? Um, yes, ma'am. I was had the opportunity to be uh, a supervisor in probably almost all of them at one point. Um, with that, I had the opportunity to, to not only see from both sides. I was um, a patrol officer um, on the road, and I was at the opportunity to come back and um, also be a uh, a supervisor as a watch commander in, in those divisions. And then um, in narcotics, that was my first uh, supervisor mission. Um, I, I kind of tell this story to my teammates. You know, when my my leader, my chief, promoted me for the first time as a supervisor over a narcotics unit, that was definitely something I was very anxious about. But it was one of the best positions, aside from obviously having the position I have now, mm-hmm. um, that I, I had an opportunity to to, uh, to work in. You know, I, I had an opportunity to grow significantly because you, you get to work cases where you are initiating um, investigations and you get to see from the beginning to the end. Um, when I say that, you're initiating um, cases against those that are poisoning our community and you get to uh, step all the way up until you're finding who's responsible for it. And to me, that was um, extremely fulfilling. You get to address uh, uh, being able to shut down a, a market that is, is really causing harm in your community. And I, I love doing that. I, I thought it was very fulfilling to, um, and being able to go back and talk to our community about it. Um, and we see that um, a lot, and we still see that because we have a very strong street crimes unit. We also have strong partners in our, with our federal agencies, our, our state agencies, um, our regional agencies. We have a great uh, 15th Circuit uh, a judicial circuit, and they all work, we all work together well. Um, and we have a lot of challenges now um, throughout our nation, and it's important for us to be able to partner and work together. And that was um, one of my most uh, uh, fulfilling jobs, and I loved it. Um, but it, it helped me grow a lot as a, a leader, and it helped me grow a lot as a, an officer um, and an investigator. Um, and it, I was able to, to learn a lot, and not only that, but um, be able to provide that to my own team members and, and what opportunities you have um, within this department. Yeah. Uh, so you also mentioned a good bit about mentors. So that's been a big topic. Uh, that was a big topic in my last podcast episode with Tina. We talked about mentors. And um, I guess I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, 
do you have any advice on choosing mentors or do you think they just, you know, they find you? Um, Cause I've seen some people uh, discuss the idea of you, you reaching out to someone and asking them to be your mentor. Do you think it just kind of happens without you even realizing that they've become a mentor for you? I think, I think both ways. Um, I've had the opportunity to, uh, like I said, in my, my own life, um, I had a mentor as a instructor that I wouldn't have um, envisioned, you know, that, that happening. I took a class and just ended up that falling on those circumstances. And then in an internship, uh, gaining more mentors. And then I had a, a supervisor who was a leader that I will never forget. Um, and he, I, I still call upon him. And again, all of those individuals were individuals that came into my life that were, I believe God put them in my life for a reason. I have outside of law enforcement, I have a pastor that is a mentor that I, I believe is, um, you know, was put in my life for a reason to, to show me uh, the importance of always, always putting God first. But, um, and, and then you have people in your family the same way, my father, the same way. Um, but I fail that to say, um, I think that guidance is extremely important when you're looking for a career path, when you're looking for, um, if you want to choose, for instance, in law enforcement, choose either a leadership pathway or an investigative pathway or, and to me, that's extremely important. You know, we, I talk a lot about professional development, um, to a point that my team members are probably like, okay, chief, I get it. Um, but when I say that, uh, it's important to always, uh, you know, water and and grow and, and really put a lot of effort into what you're doing because it's been important to, to feed your mind. And when I talk about professional development, that is also spending time with people that you, you really are engaged in and, and you respect. Um, and if there is somebody that that you feel that you gravitate towards, you know, talk to them about being a mentor. We are fortunate here at the police department to be engaged with our local university and our local technical college and have a program that, that we're working with um, for mentorship. But we also, um, we do that internally and we think it's important and we want to continue to grow that program um, because, you know, we, we have officers during our, um, during, during specific times of the year where they'll go into our, that want to be crime scene officers or want to be detectives in the future. They'll go into their units and be able to spend some time with them. Um, and they also want, or they want to be leaders and they spend extra time uh, with their sergeants uh, to understanding what exactly that means. So it's extremely important because you have to feed your mind if that's what you want to do. You want to go to the leadership pathway. You need to understand what those responsibilities and roles are. It's not just signing off paperwork or throwing keys and saying, Hey, you're going to work, uh, Long north today. Um, that's not what it's about. There's a lot to it. You've got to be able to be responsible for um, those team members. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't just decide one day I wanted to be chief. In fact, that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I, I thought investigating would be the only thing that I ever did in my life um, because I thought it was the best thing in the world. And don't get me wrong, it is. I love <laughs> I love doing it. But, um, but you know, God had a different plan. And, and I truly believe that, uh, that you gotta fuel uh, fuel yourself with what you what you really want to accomplish, and and in order to be successful as a team, you have to do that as well. Yeah, and then like, on the flip side of this, of mentor stuff, how what do you think are things that the mentors need to be doing to help the mentees? Like, what makes a good mentor? I guess I'm using that word right. I don't know if I just made that up. So somebody will correct me. <laughs> 
I, I 100% understand that question. Um, I think being open and transparent, uh, one thing that it, it is hard sometimes, not everybody's good at everything. Um, and sometimes we have, we have individuals that have a hard time saying that to other people. Um, you may not be good at traffic or you may not be good at this uh, investigative thing. You may, but you're really good at this, but you're just not going to get the hang of it. Um, and, and we have to be honest with our, our team members. Um, and we, we just have to be transparent. Um, and that is something that I think that a lot of, um, a lot of, some, some people have challenges with, I'll say that. Um, you don't teach people, that's not a class that we have um, in any profession, I don't think, but we do have a class on communications, and it is important for people to learn how to do that. Not everybody has that skill set, but it is important to be very upfront and transparent. Um, I think it's important from day one that um, we talk about areas of growth, and if people can't do a certain job, it's important for them to, to look at where they do have strengths. And that would be one of my, my biggest things. And on the other side of that is, is to really hone in on, um, on vision and what the, uh, the visions of individuals are. Um, sometimes we have a habit of, of kind of going off in different directions. And if there are certain things that we want to accomplish, um, we, in this field, I think sometimes we take on a lot instead of just focusing on a few things that we can get done and then go into the next thing. And I think that um, in order to be successful in this field, we really need to just focus on um, some things and then go into the next things. Sometimes we don't have that luxury, don't get me wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. We're in a place here down at Myrtle Beach that we don't have that luxury sometimes and we're just, we just gotta get it done and we're very fortunate to have a team that does that. Uh, but that is a, as a, as a mentor and a mentee, um, that communication needs to happen so that we can keep up that energy and focus. Yeah. Um, so I answer that question. Oh, you know, I have a tendency to to put a lot out there because I, I really love to uh, to make sure that our team members are on the same page. No, I mean that was going to lead into my next question. With you being in so many different divisions and working your way up to being chief at this department, how did you even on smaller units? did you maintain a, a set goal and keep that vision within your officers? Like what were ways that you created that environment? And then if you don't mind sharing, what were some units that you felt that you may not have kept that goal or environment as strong as you would have liked? That's a very good question. One-on-one um, -on -one is probably one of the most effective ways to be successful. Um, when you're working with your teammates and working with them one-on-one -on -one, um, and, and constantly having that face time, if you're not meeting with your team members and you're not re-emphasizing goals um, and what, your, what their vision is, what your vision and expectations are, um, and those may change and you need to make sure that you're addressing them when they change. Um, and it can be very difficult in this profession because um, and I will attest to it, um, we, we get really busy. We say that word a lot in this field, I'm busy. <laughs> I probably say it uh, probably at least five times a day, if not more, but we have to make time to do that. And um, 
but that is where the success is, is when you're spending time, you're putting forth the effort, and you're making sure that the follow-up is there. If you don't have follow-through, then um, as a team leader, as a um, as an overall leader, uh, then you're not going to be successful. Um, I have been uh, definitely um, guilty of not having follow-through on some things, and, and I have... Uh, uh, it, it pains me to say that sometimes, but um, that's where I want to make it up in other places, and I need to make sure that I do that. But follow through is extremely important. So those would be the things that I want to make sure that I do, and I have been successful at is when I, I make the time and I have to follow through. And on the flip side of that is in in most of the units that I've, I've worked on, especially when I've had larger units, I have made sure that I'm delegating appropriately so my team members that I'm working with understand that importance. Because um, if you get too big and you are, your span of control is too big, you you can't do that. Um, and you're gonna you got to make sure that everybody's on the same page, and that can be difficult. Um, so um, I think in uh, one unit that I I absolutely love being a part of the unit, but. Um, I have this habit of I hate leaving before I don't get done with things. Um, I was over our investigative division and I didn't get done with a couple things before I left. Um, now that that was just circumstances, but in the same respect, I was moved over to a different unit before I left. But again, you, you want to change things so that it can be more effective. And I think that when you come into a unit and you're trying to work on the best things for your personnel, the best things for the unit, and the best things for um, the, the more efficiencies and effectiveness, um, you've got to prioritize what those are. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that those are the things that I learned every every time I, I moved from the unit. So I would just say I think every unit you're going to to try to prioritize what those are and then learn from them. But um, I would just say those are the things that I've learned over the years is what, what can I be more effective in. Yeah. And going off of when you were talking about one-on-one -on -one, with being a leader i you know the dynamics of the teams and especially in law enforcement we have a wide variety of individuals that get in this career how what are some ways that you would suggest you know if you have that one team member that's just not clicking like what were things and tactics you used to try to get them you know, back like either checked in or maybe like, hey, let's reevaluate. Maybe patrol's not where you're happy. Let's start moving and trying to figure out if you're going to be more of a training unit guy or, a, uh, you know, community relations. Like, how did you handle having those team members sometimes? And what were what were some suggestions you have for uh, younger or newer supervisors with handling? I don't want to call them problem child because it could just be a placement issue or maybe something else is going on. But how do you handle the ones that's just not clicking with your team? I think that, I mean, I think that that actually happens sometimes more often than um, we really want to talk about. But I think that one thing that is, is, is available to us that we don't use as often as we like to is there are personality um, testing. There is, uh, we, we, we don't use our, re our human resource department as often as we need to, um, that we can. Mm -hmm. And we also can provide our our different supervisors who are in those different units um, that same type of process. Um, you know, like I said, we have a variety of different units 
that have that capability. But, um, and we've had situations here where we've had, because we have the different divisions, we, we have um, police officers, but we also have detention and communication. Um, so we have, you know, obviously certified um, classrooms, and then we also have class two, class three. Um, but we have a lot of different spectrums. So it's important for us when, when individuals are saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe I want to be a civilian. Maybe I want to go work in a real time crime unit, or maybe I want to go consider working in a records, uh, records unit, um, or property and evidence. You know, it's important, one, that individuals understand the roles and responsibilities of these different positions, um, to include all up into, um, the different, pers- the different, uh, pay, pay and all of those different things. But also, I'll go back to the importance of somebody to understand what it is they really want. Um, as you remember at the beginning when we started talking, I think that in law enforcement right now, um, and I've seen this at several different um, um, academic, in academic uh, fields when, it's, when we talk about law enforcement, um, we need to make sure that we're understanding exactly what policing is about, exactly what communications and dispatch is about, exactly what detention is about. Um, If I were to apply for a communications position right now, and I went in and sat in our own Myrtle Beach Police Department dispatch, Amy Kroc could not be a dispatcher. (laughs) I can tell you that. They have one of the hardest roles in our department. They multitask significantly, um, and they're watching their they're looking at our cameras at times. They're um, getting out calls for service to our officers. They're doing just a variety of different things. And, I, and I'm, I'm getting back to your question is, it is important for people to understand what their role is and understand how we can address these, these different, um, different areas. So knowing that and going to the mentoring, going to personality um, testing, and, and really sharing with what's out there in your own department. So I think that that's the way we can utilize different areas to show our teammates if they have questions about what they're doing and if we have somebody that is questioning why, maybe maybe I'm not good at this and maybe I should try something else. Because um, we've, we've actually had those opportunities. Um, and it's, and we've been able to fit people in other positions in our own department. So we've been successful, but I do encourage those that are struggling is, you know, utilize your own human resources, utilize your supervisors throughout your department and, and use that mentor program to where you can put them in different areas in your department for a period of time. Um, if you, if you have the ability to do that, cause it's worked for us. Um, it doesn't always work. Sometimes, unfortunately we use, you lose somebody, um, but I do, even before the hiring process, if you have the time, um, allow people to do the ride-alongs, which I know that a lot of our um, our state um, agencies do that, um, allow people to come sit in your dispatch or in your um, detention center, um, because it really shows what your teams are doing. It gives a real-time um, look at how, how active um, your teams are. Um, a 12-hour shift is a 12-hour shift. It's tough. This job is hard. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at a Dispatch terminal, if you're sitting or if you're, um, you know, booking in a teammate or an inmate, excuse me, <laughs> or if you are, uh, you're riding for 12 hours and answering calls for service, this job is hard. And I will tell you that a hundred times in one day, this job is hard. And that's what people need to know. Yeah, I remember when I first 
uh, was at my department. I sent in dispatch for a day and I was just like, they had like 12 computer monitors and all of them had something going on it. I was like, there is no way I can barely write down a phone number without having somebody repeat it. So, uh, yeah, a very appreciative of what they do after seeing all the stuff they do. So I kind of want to switch directions here for a second and talk about female in law, females in law enforcement and get into that realm of the podcast. So I guess my first question is going to be um, when now as a chief and then any other supervisor reposition you had, what were things that you did to either start helping recruit or retain female officers? Because I feel like that's a big topic right now is just recruiting officers. And I think a lot of people think it's best on the chief and the department to do, but what can, you know, uh, first line supervisors do? What can sergeants and corporals do and FTOs and even patrolmen do to help get more females involved in this career? Well, I will tell you this. I think that every person in our department is a recruiter. Um, I don't care who you are. You you need to be a recruiter. And I think our community are recruiters as well. So I'm not shy about any opportunity that I can, whether I'm at a community watch meeting, um, whether I'm at a, our quarterly uh, presentations, whether I'm out to lunch, I will tell our community, I will tell uh, whoever I am with that you are a community recruiter. Um, I will tell um, I will tell those individuals how many vacancies we have. I will I don't mind sharing the stats of our department. I will tell them who we who we are who we are looking for, the best qualified, my expectations, uh, our community's expectations, our city council's expectations, our management's expectations is that we need uh, quality people to work and serve our community. But specifically to that question, um, we have done ladies in law enforcement forums, um, and the focus has been uh, telling about what opportunities are in our department. Our, um, some of our teammates from communications to detention to police officers have shared to even civilian employees who work for us have shared their stories, why they became um, members of our department, how they became involved in law enforcement. And I think that's important because it, it shows different pathways. Um, how different uh, individuals came to our department. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that because there are different pathways in law enforcement. It's not just about policing, um, but it also shows how a, a teammate can become a leader. Um, we had a sergeant that was talking about how she became um, a police officer and she's the sergeant of uh, nighttime patrol. And, she, you know, it talks about, she talked about her family and how she has a, uh, a two-year-old that, that is running around the house right now. And she is a nighttime patrol sergeant. And um, we talked, our crime analyst talked about, uh, you know, her, how she works very hard and she's called in at all times and, um, and everything that she does for our department and her family. And she's very committed to what she does. And, and it just shows about the different, um, the different commitments and, and how, you know, we all work together to make it work, but that um, everybody has a different story. Um, I have a different story as well. Um, and it's important doesn't matter who you are in this profession, and I will tell you that. It doesn't matter who you are. This is an incredible profession, and I will tell you that. It is a hard profession. It is. Um, this this profession is hard, but it's an incredible profession. It's rewarding. Um, it is engaging. It connects you with people. 
And to me, that's why it is extremely rewarding. You can have your absolute best day of your life here. Um, not taking away from family and God, but you can have the best day of your life here. You can have the worst day of your life here. I certainly have. Um, but in that same respect, it is so rewarding and so engaging and so connecting. And that's what, that's what uh, we've done. We continue to work on expos where we can highlight um, the importance of having that connection and um, having women in law enforcement and what we do in our community and why there is such a need to continue to focus this effort. Yeah. Because I, I uh, that's definitely becoming more of a discussion is the recruitment and retention of female officers uh, with this only making... 11%. And then, um, you know, I've been, I'm not sure who the founder of this program or initiative is, but it's the 30 for 30 initiative. And it highlights females officers. It's actually really cool. I was, I've been looking at their website recently and reading some of the stuff they do. Have you heard of the 30 for 30 initiative? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I figured. <laughs> absolutely. I, and I think that it's something that, you know, with all of the, the international, um, law enforcement agencies, or excuse me, organizations, and of course with Advancing Women in Law Enforcement, um, which is the, uh, you know, obviously the initiative that has been pushed forward um, with the organization that's pushing that forward. Um, The focus definitely is by 2030, and, you know, with the, what the researchers are pushing forward, I, I definitely think it's important because their objectives, you know, while focusing on the connections and, and what women do, not only for that and to put more uh, women in law enforcement throughout all agencies, I also think um, just being able to to get qualified team members throughout our our organizations is also a, a focus that is extremely important. Yes. You keep saying qualified. You know, do you think that's something female officers face because there's so we're not, there's not a lot of us in right now. So when there is someone that messes up, do you think that female officers catch the back end of that more than male officers? If you think that is an issue. I don't see that. I think that, you know, one of the things, and I'll speak uh, just in my own experiences. I don't, um, one thing that I have, I'm very vocal um, and I've been that way my entire career. Um, and I've had the opportunity throughout my own career to be, in, be engaged not only in a local level, but be engaged in a regional level and have had the opportunity to meet a lot of partners throughout, my, throughout the state, um, whether it be on an organization or an aid, uh, with other agencies. But I think it's important um, that when something is right, that you say it's right, when it's wrong, you say it's wrong, no matter if it's a, mm-hmm. a whoever it is. Um, and that is why it's important, whether it's in law enforcement, whether it's a, in a different profession. And um, that's why it is important for, for us to, to address those issues and have accountability and address um, those things accordingly. I strongly believe that. My team strongly believes that. That's how we address things internally. Um, and when we have issues in our community, we're very transparent and we, we focus our efforts on working with our community. So um, as far as, you know, one person does this, one person does that, I, I don't I don't think that um, you know, that's, that's the way to to look at things. I think it's important for us to, as a, as a team um, here, we, we don't just, we don't just address it 
as a one-off, we, you know, we, um, we look at things in, uh, as a, you know, as I already said, we all, we look at things, we hold people accountable and we move forward. Yeah. So with you being in law enforcement since 1996, you know, did you ever feel like you were having to face different obstacles being a female and, you know, was there ever a time where you were the only female at your department? I know Myrtle Beach is probably a pretty large, larger department, even in 96. I imagine it was one of the larger departments in the state. Um, I think, I would say, I think that a, a lot of people um, have different obstacles in their career. I certainly have. Um, I was never the only officer. I was the only female hired in the class of 23 Um 23 officers when I was hired, um, and when I say 23 officers in my class, that's how many officers that were hired at the time mm-hmm. um, when I went. Um, and saying that to say, um, absolutely had obstacles, whether it was because I was a female or just because I'm because of who I was. Um, I took this on, like I told you, I've been vocal my entire career. Um, if something was wrong, I dealt with it appropriately. Um, you know, as well as I do, we're taught in this career to deal with things through your chain of command. Um, I emphasize that in my own department, um, and I've been taught that way my entire um, career. And it it can be very difficult for some people, but as I told you, the way that I was raised, um, that is how I was raised, is that (laughs) I deal with things appropriately um, and and talk to those that um, I need to talk to, whether it was a parent, whether it was a teacher. um, I think it's important for us to be able to speak up. That is why, one of the reasons why I became a police officer is that I wanted to speak for those who couldn't speak. Um, Many of us who become police officers want to be able to do that. Um, We want to speak for the victims. We want to be able to address those issues. And it's important for us to be able to do that. Um, I certainly uh, do not sway away from um, challenges. And uh, I say that because uh, I think it's important for us to address those those issues that we need to. Um, And I certainly... Don't never have had that that problem um, in the sense of not not being able to speak up. I certainly understand the the issues of being able to work through things and um, sitting down with somebody, and I think that's very much um, part of this job. And while I've not always been successful, um, I I do come to a common ground in most cases. So um, I think it's a good question. I do think that um, say if I were to then ask that question by um, a, a group of, of youth that are considering being a police officer, and if they were a group of young females that wanted to be a police officer, I would say, uh, I would say the exact same thing. If this is a job that you want to do, yes, there are going to be challenges, whether you are female or not. Um, but move forward, push forward, and use your voice because that's what that's what that's what God gave us for. And I guess tying it back to what we were talking about earlier with mentors, I guess that just goes along to emphasize how important mentors are if you're struggling with an obstacle or something having that person that you can lean on and then like you said some people struggle going to the chain of command it may be your mentor who says hey this is something that you need to take up the chain of command do you think that is uh why having mentors also could be very important absolutely um i i think that as i said earlier that is another avenue to have uh, with you. Um, I have relied on mine several times, whether it is something that, um, um, whether it's something that I'm challenged with, whether it's just a budget question, 
um, I have no problem reaching out and asking those questions. And I, I would say that that um, that is another reason that to really look towards somebody that you can um, trust and who can help you guide you through those questions. So, what for young leaders or those wanting to become leaders in the future? What would be some advice or keys to success that you would give to them if you were speaking to them now to become good leaders? Like what are some characteristics or things that they need to be working on now to become a a successful leader? Well, I think that as far as being a successful leader, if they're already in leadership, then they obviously have a, a platform and having a mentor, um, being able to lead by example, being engaged with your your team, um, definitely engage in training and um, seek out as much training and, and the leadership professional development as possible. Um, as I said before, I, I definitely speak to my team a lot about professional development. That is a lot of what we're working on um, within our team. Um, don't uh, waste a lot of time with those that are, are negative about what you're trying to accomplish. Um, that definitely tends to kind of suck the energy from you. Um, and unfortunately, that can take place when, when you're in, in that type of position. Uh, definitely focus on your positive uh, energy and focus on that leadership, uh, um, your, your leadership goals. Um, I am a pretty direct leader. And um, I like to be out in the field. I like to be, um, I would love to be out a lot more. Um, but that focus and vision that you have needs to be on the forefront. And, and share it with your, your team. Share it with your leader so that you can um, continue to work on those steps and goals as you move forward. Um, love what you do. If you don't love what you do, don't do it. Uh, find, <laughs> find what you love because that is what makes uh, makes us a really successful leader. Um, we have incredible people here at the Myrtle Beach Police Department. We have incredible here people here in the 15th Judicial Circuit and throughout the state. Um, and we're very fortunate to work with them. And I say that to say that they, they love what they do. We work great as partners. And we wouldn't be as successful as that we are if we didn't have this partnership and the leadership that we have. Yeah. So you said that you feel yourself as a direct leader. If you had to look back to when Amy became her first ever supervisor position, would you say you were a direct leader then? Or do you think that's something you've um, evolved into as you progressed through your leadership? I would say I probably evolved. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I struggled. I would say, um, it just took me a little bit of time. I was, I've always been pretty direct and, um, I was, I've always been pretty direct. I've always been, um, vocal, but you do have, um, some, I would say small steps to get to a point where, um, you are very certain about making decisions about larger things. And it took me a while to get there, but, um, I always wanted to make sure that I was leading by example, so I was always making sure that we were, I was coaching and being a part of what I was doing. What would be something you would suggest for officers to go out and read or listen to? If you had to pick one. Um, 
let's see, most recently that I have read, uh, Energy Bus. Um, let's see, there is a couple other ones that off the top of my head, you're, you put me on the spot with that one. Um, yeah, Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. That is an excellent, um, read and it's a quick, it's not, it's not a hard one. Um, and the reason for that is because it really focuses on, um, your, your own mental, uh, being and your own mental health. Um, and when I say mental health, not just, um, your focus on your, um, physical being, but also on what you want to do with your emotions and how you address things internally. Um, when you're at home, when you're inside, uh, working on something, a case or whatever it is, but you're thinking three things and you don't always think about, um, how you're reacting things, uh, all the time. And it really does address all of those specific areas. So that's a great read. All right. Well, I won't take up any of more of your time. Hope everybody enjoys this episode and gains something from this. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good points to look for. Uh, definitely need to start working on my professional development. So I have some key takeaways from this podcast episode, and I hope everybody does the same. Uh, Brock, you got any last words for us? Um, just if uh, if you have the the just take time to also professional development be a key. Always focus on working with your team and your community and definitely take the time for yourself um, to stay healthy, both uh, mentally and physically, and um, always be the driver of your bus. That was uh, one of the takeaways from uh, from the energy bus, too. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to, to share and share with everyone because this job is an amazing job. Um, I definitely encourage anybody who has the opportunity to take um be involved in this profession to do it. It's amazing. It is definitely hard, but it is definitely amazing. Very rewarding. So thank you again for sharing. I appreciate that. Yep. Thank you for coming on today.